Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our guest today is Rebecca Neal. Rebecca is a business mentor, social media expert, holistic integrative health and transformational life coach. Through her coaching, Rebecca helps visionary women remove obstacles from their lives and start turning their passions into profit. Rebecca, welcome to radio. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Rebecca, let's start at the beginning. Take me through what your morning looks like. I love this question because I think there's a lot that lies in a morning routine for someone who is successful or someone that's doing what you want to be doing in life. And so I've learned a lot from other people around this question. But for me personally, it is, um, I guess it comes back to being a very conscious person. And so I start my day very much on my own terms these days. It hasn't always been like this, but it really grinds me when I hear people that wake up and they're instantly attached to their phone and then they're attached to it all day. For me, it's really about keeping my phone on flight mode and not being reactive to what's coming through or consuming other people's content. It's really about me and connecting back to myself and really tuning into how I feel and what I'm needing in the morning. So I find that when I do that, I spend the rest of my day in a more controlled way. I'm more responding to what's going on around me rather than being on that high alert reaction or if something negative has come through at the time, you know, before you've even had a chance to really wake up, you really live out the rest of your day on that space. And so health being one of my highest values, I spend a lot of time connecting to myself. I have water, salt and lemon, which is an adrenal boost when I wake up. Uh, I don't put coffee straight into my body until I've done that. Uh, I really love to, you know, rehydrate and cleanse after a night's rest. And then I just spend the morning sort of I might do some movement, get outside, I have some nourishing food, and then I get into my day. So it's pretty fluid, but I just want to make sure that I'm always doing something for myself and I'm not diving straight into, you know, the world of social media or work. I'm going to ask you two follow-up questions. Um, The first one, take me through the water, lemon and salt thing in a little bit more detail, because from my understanding, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. the caffeine counteracts the natural... Um, sort of chemicals in your body when you wake up. So your eyes open um, and your body is trying to wake itself up. It has its natural process of doing that. When we dump uh, caffeine in there too early, I think most people, I think the recommended times like 10.30 or 11 a.m. or something like that to start consuming caffeine, um, but it like counteracts the natural process. Is that, does the lemon, salt and water enhance and, and work with the natural process? Is that why you do it? Uh, there's a few, a few things around that. I think everybody is a very unique human and it's about finding what works for you. Like if I wake up at 5am, there's no way I'm waiting till 10am to have my first coffee, but it's not from a place of needing coffee. And I think that's where the difference is for me. It's something I really enjoy and it's part of my morning routine. I don't feel I need coffee to wake up or feel like I need it to get an energy kick. And a lot of people do, like you said, rely on that to then, you know, instead of having their own natural response, it's, it's crazy. The things that people like, it's like sleep, for example, if they need certain things to get to sleep because their body is so 
let's say deconditioned from what's normal or how the body should naturally respond. You know, if we go down at nighttime with the, with the day, with the day ending and it's dark and we're not spending time in front of the blue light, our body produces that natural form of melatonin and we, you know, get to go to sleep and perform how we should. And so in the morning when we wake up, we should have a natural amount of cortisol in our body to give us that energy. And so allowing that yes I totally agree the time thing I'm not so I mean I may be wrong but I haven't heard of an actual exact time I just think we should allow our bodies to naturally wake up however that long that takes and then enhance it with different things so apple cider vinegar in the morning is really great the citrus is great for um, your detoxification obviously as well and vitamin c content Adrenals need salts. That's why um, the Himalayan salt is really powerful in the morning or Celtic salt or something like that, because it helps to nourish, you know, the minerals and electrolytes that the glands need for optimum function. And so with the way our soil is these days or the way that we don't have enough salt in our diets, we're always told to remove the salt from our diet. Um, we're removing the minerals and electrolytes that the body needs and everyone a lot of people, I should say, are on high alert and high stress, you know, from from, you know, things like career and jobs, but also to relationships or to financial stress. And we're always living in this state of flight or fight. And so that really does help nourish those things and start the day the right way. So I suggest at least before having a coffee, have a huge glass of water, move the body, do some things before you just smash your body with that caffeine hit because caffeine is going to increase your cortisol levels anyway. That's what happens when you ingest caffeine. So if your you know, body is used to you putting that caffeine in as soon as you wake up, yeah, your body isn't going to, it's going to get lazy and not naturally produce what it's meant to. That's that mirrors exactly what I've heard. I heard that your body produces approximately, and it does vary person to person, but about four hours of cortisol in the morning. So depending mm -hmm. what time you wake up would depend on what time your first coffee was. But if someone sort of woke up at 8am, um, you know, obviously it would push back their coffee time. If they woke up at 5am, it would be earlier, but it's about riding through that first wave of cortisol mm. that your body produces before you ask it to produce more by stimulating it with caffeine. Well, that makes um, sense now. I see where that time things come from. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so second question, this one's a little bit harder and this is probably a little bit more tactical. Every time someone raises having their phone on airplane mode, I always get a comment or a message from someone. What if there's an emergency overnight? Tell me how you, I guess everyone has their own coping mechanisms, but how do you, um, I guess, downregulate that emotional response when you're putting your phone on airplane and you're like, everything's going to be fine. Um, and I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to deal with it when I turn my phone on. Um, I guess, because obviously the statistical probability of an emergency happening is so low, mm. um, but we live in this state of, I guess, constant distraction and hyper-awareness, particularly with our, our smartphones around us all the time. How do you downregulate that um, and sort of condition yourself to sleeping with it on, on airplane yeah. and then waking up and not worrying about it for the first couple of hours? I like this question and it's, I'm just one of those freaks though. I don't have notifications on my phone. I only get phone calls and it is always on silent. So people, people get go bonkers at me because I, you know, my phone doesn't ring. So I don't hear it. If it's not next to me, I'm not answering the call and the notifications again, cause that reactive response. And I made a decision probably two or three years ago to stop getting notifications on my phone. And at the same time, I did that 
flight mode activity as well. It's, I guess for me, I'm somewhat lucky. I don't have kids and I don't have something that is reliant on me in that sense. So I suppose I don't think about the emergency factor, even though, yes, my family and my parents and things like that, I've never really sort of questioned that. And I can understand where people would be concerned about that. So my thoughts on that would be to leave it away from the bed. So in the morning, you've got to get up, your alarm goes off. If you set an alarm, you've got to get up, you've got to get to the phone before you, you know, pick it up and you're looking at it as soon as you wake up. So for me, there's not really, I don't like the electromagnetic effect that a phone has. I also don't want to be disturbed and I don't want to be reactive to things coming through or like waking up and looking straight at my phone. So that's the reason that I do that. So if you have to have your phone on, keep it away from the bed so that you aren't, I guess, grabbing it as soon as you wake up. That would be my only sort of suggestion there. Love it. I think it's um, it's really sage advice. Um, obviously, the sleeping uh, environment is so sacrosanct. We probably don't protect it anywhere near as enough, enough as what we should, and it's mm. obviously becoming harder and harder with LED lights and everything like that in our homes as well. Um, but sort of the phone is something that's very, very controllable. Yes. Um, so once you've woken up, you're getting into the day, um, how do you spread your time between all of the projects that you're working on? Mm, good question. It's, it's a challenge. I find being a creative, it's really challenging because I try to have a structured schedule and a lot of the times I bounce between things throughout the day. However, in saying that, I do have clients, so I have particular days that are locked in and certain things happening on certain days. But I spend you know, during the time, during the day when I do get a bit of spare time or downtime, I spend it being active. I like to try and get as much incidental movement in as possible. And, you know, working from home definitely has its challenges. I've been doing it for such a long time now, but watching people over the last, say, six months with the whole, you know, COVID situation, it's really challenged a lot of people finding their new routines and their new groove in, in doing that. And so for me, I like to spend time on my balcony. I'm so blessed to live across the road from the ocean so I can watch people literally surfing all day. So it's pretty amazing. And so I spend as much time as I can moving and I spend a lot of time in the sun and, you know, not sun baking, but just getting that sun and vitamin D in my body. And I like to work out during the day from home now because the gyms are still closed and I spend time walking by the ocean. So if I'm not sitting at my desk and working, I tend to be moving and doing physical forms because for me, health and wellness is my highest priority and value in life. And so I always try and squeeze that in throughout the day as much as possible. We probably neglected to mention in your own words, what is it exactly you do um, and what do those projects look like across the day? Um, okay, how do I summarize what I do in one sentence? It's always hard. So I am a business mentor and a social media educator for women. Uh, and I teach, I guess I teach business and social media marketing as a whole. And then I am a podcast host of my own show. And then I'm always creating content, copywriting, designing things. I do manage a couple of other companies, social media as well, just on the side. I love designing and creativity. And then if I'm not doing all that, I am coaching. So my one-to-one clients, which are obviously my business mentoring clients. And how does that look? Do you have a, a typical structure that you work with during the week? Like do you have, say, client-facing hours, um, you know, certain days or 
Um, are you, you know, is it like Mondays we're creating all the content for the week for the brands that we're managing and then Tuesdays for clients or how do you structure that? Yeah, good question. I spend Monday mornings or like, again, I'm very much a conscious person and I like to run my own show. And so for me, Mondays is about myself and, you know, getting into the week and planning and goal setting and doing all those sorts of things. So I never see clients on a Monday and I spend the morning. I do actually have a masterclass inside my private membership that I have. It's a social media membership. And I teach a little bit of business in there, but it's mostly social media marketing for other people to be able to learn social media so that they don't have to invest in someone else to do it for them. So that's in the morning. And then the rest of the day, I'm preparing for the week. I'm content creating and doing certain things like that. And then I tend to do podcasting on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So either interviewing other people or being a guest on other shows like today and Then I spend Thursday all day coaching clients. So I don't do anything else on Thursday and Friday morning, I see a couple of clients and then I scatter throughout the rest of the week, you know, a little bit of copywriting and content creation. I spend Friday afternoon planning social media for the following week. That's pretty much in a nutshell. (laughs) Great. No, I think it's very comprehensive. Um, How did you discover your passion for coaching and how did you scale your brand into what it is today? I guess for me, I've always had an innate desire to help others. It's always been within me and I've had a coach since I was about 19. So I guess for me, it was something I really valued and had had a lot of success personally with, but I also wanted to, I guess I'm a big softie and I always wanted to help other people and help people grow. And with my own consistent, I guess, spiritual practice and connection, I believe that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to make a difference, not just from a financial standpoint in my business. I'm here to really create and change and I guess do work that makes a difference. So for me, it it started, oh gosh, it's been nearly 12 years. So I have been coaching a long time. I started in the fitness industry and then just became obsessed with human behavior and mindset and working with women on different levels around body image and so many different facets that I kept moving through and evolving. And I really believe that doing work that gives us that personal fulfillment and makes a difference to others, but also contributes to the planet is when we're really living out our mission. And that's what I highly value my work as. I really believe I get a very high level of fulfillment from what I do, but I also know that the work that I do makes such a difference in others. And by creating that change in others, there's a consciousness change in the planet because those people that they're, you know, they're implementing what they're learning and teaching their kids, their friends, their family, it just creates this ripple effect. And so I believe, I guess, for the scalability, it comes from the longevity, I guess, of always being where I've been. It's taken time. I've really invested in my own growth and invested in my learning invested in mentors and coaches to help me get to where I am but also having that willingness to pivot and and evolve as the times change as well I think that's really important I think a lot of people can get stuck and say oh this is how I'm going to be forever this is what I'm going to do and they don't move with the time so for me it's been a very fluid journey I've been a coach the whole time however I've changed what I coach on. I've definitely found my space now. I I probably won't change for quite some time now, but over the years, you know, I moved with fitness and then I studied nutritional science and health coaching and moved through life coaching and then moved more into the business space naturally because people were watching what I was growing myself. 
and I always taught myself so many things and spent so much time learning, growing and investing in mentors. So for me, now I have a chance to give back to others and be able to create that change in other people's lives to have the life like I have created. So I feel like I'm almost obliged to do what I do to help others see, you know, what's within them that they can actually live out their passions and turn it into profit. A personal brand is something that is becoming increasingly important uh, within the digital marketplace. What are three things that you do yourself uh, to build your personal brand online? Awesome question. I love personal branding. And I think one thing before I give you those three things is that personal branding, I think people really underestimate the importance of having a strong personal brand. And I see it a lot, especially in the network marketing space. I work with a lot of women in the network marketing space, building their own you know, businesses online. And what I find is people jump online to try and sell whatever it is they've signed up to be a part of. And there's you know, no shame in being really excited about the product that you're aligning with. But what the missing piece is that they don't build a strong personal brand and they just spend time pushing and trying to sell this product. Whereas they need to actually take people on a journey, you know, of no like and trust before people spend time and money with you. It's really important to build that trust with people, show people uh, what you're about and really create that strong personal brand. Because if you don't and say that product or service or whatever you're selling, even if it's an offer, like inside your coaching business, you you will you will crumble like if you if the product goes down you go down with it if you've got a strong solid personal brand you can plug anything into that and it won't matter what happens to that product because people are there for you people love you and what you're about and who you are so that's really important when it comes to a personal brand is making you solid in that space and then plugging in whatever your services and products and offers are to that. So for me personally, I guess I try to remain as authentic to my personal mission as much as possible. So that would be my number one thing. You know, it doesn't matter what other people are doing online. I really try and remain in my own lane and I stay long enough in it to see the results. And if not, I then pivot. I don't, get distracted by shiny objects and try and do what everybody else is doing because I think it might be working or that person's changed to that. So I really stay authentic in my personal mission. I feel like too many people online are swapping and changing like their underwear. They really don't master one thing well. And maybe that's why I've been able to scale my business as well. And so they're too busy comparing other people. They're modeling things too much and not actually staying true to themselves and what they're there to do. I also spend probably number two on that is I also spend a lot of time engaging and being social on social media. So I think a lot of people miss this key point. Social media is a place to be social. It's not just about trying to push a product or service. You want to be spending time engaging and building relationships and genuine connecting. You know, even if you're a product brand, you want to make sure that there's a human side to you because people are craving that more than ever right now. You know, people love human connection and interaction. So I think it's really important to spend time engaging. So on a daily basis, I spend a minimum of an hour to two hours engaging on social media to build my personal brand and genuine connection. And then the third thing would just be to make sure you're adding so much value on a daily basis, you know, to be of service and to give, give, give. Like, it's like Gary V says, you know, it's, um, what is it, jab, jab, right hook. It's really about giving so much and you'll be re- rewarded in the end. So showing up and adding value on a daily basis, teaching people things, helping people solve their problems with your, you know, product or service or offer. 
It's very interesting because obviously uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's content is um, he, he promotes a lot around being social on social media and interacting with everyone. Um, and there's this, um, I guess, this little issue that we're having at the moment with social media where people are feeling very, um, they can feel very dependent or like they're spending so much time on their phone. Um, and I was listening to uh, Mimi and Alex Icon about this. Um, and they were talking about how uh, they start on YouTube and now they've got a podcast. They've got a whole heap of things, a whole heap of businesses. And they actually have stepped away from consuming social media. And they're like, social media is designed to create. So we create whatever we want to create that day and we put it out to the world. Um, and then we don't even really listen to um, what comes back. Like we're obviously aware of it, but we sort of check our socials. Like we literally go on post um, and then don't look at anything, don't interact with anything until one day of the week. And they go on on Friday and they reply to all their comments and do all of that, all that management. And I guess it, for me, it was a really interesting way of thinking about it because there's so much like, yeah, you have to post and respond to your comments and, you know, be in your DMs and be across absolutely everything. Um, and then it was this second perspective that was like, yes, you can do that, but why don't we structure it in a way where it's not in also interfering with your life? You can create what you want um, and put it out there to the world and then measure the response in your own time. Um, I thought it was a very interesting approach to it that was just a little bit different to what Gary preaches all the time as well. Totally. And I love that. But I also feel like if you're in the building phase of your business, going on social media once a week to connect with people that may have messaged you at the start of the week, you potentially have lost that person. So I think if you're a big brand or someone that can do that, then I think that's great. However, on top of that, I think you're right in saying that you need certain times of the day or something structured so you're not spending the entire day on their social creating, you know. So I think there's a balance between both. So for me, it's about I don't spend a lot of time consuming other people's content unless I'm consciously looking to learn something or I want to grow on a particular topic or from a particular coach or someone that I admire. And then it's about spending an hour in the morning or an hour in the afternoon that's scheduled in my diary to do the engaging. And it's, it's a very conscious activity. And I think that's where people are getting stuck in the scroll hole, I like to call it, where they're just constantly just watching and consuming everybody else's content. And so something that I, you know, if you're in a business sense, I teach my clients to create before they consume so that they're actually sharing their authentic message because it can get warped and lost because they're consuming so many other things that are online. They forget what their mission is or how they would word it because they've seen other things. So I think it's just about having a conscious practice around social media. So being social on social media is important. However, there needs to be a balance between how much time you're actually spending on there. I love that. I definitely subscribe to almost like, I just say that I'm creating offline. So I won't like create, I'll create something and it will be using like using a camera, not using my iPhone or something like that. Mm. So you're recording, whether it's a video or whatever, and you're recording everything offline. And then the only time you're going online is to share the finished product that you're not looking at everything and going, Oh, should I be editing different or should I be doing this or that? Um, it's actually a process that happens. You know, it's a proper creative process like you would if you were writing a book or, you know, when you, when you're writing a book or you're writing a blog post or something, you're not constantly checking what other people are writing. You're like writing on your topic and you finish that and then you edit and you work through this whole process. It's the same in the social media post. Um, I see a lot of people, particularly with the, the rise of video 
um, on, on Instagram and, and TikTok and stuff like that. People have almost like 50% of their content you can see is their own. And then 50% is just trying to meet a trend or a gap in the market, which is um, sometimes it can work well for people, but often I think uh, it can also be a little bit disingenuous as well. And audiences are very, um, we're very good bullshit detectors now with social media. (laughs) We can tell when someone's sort of faking it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's really about, like you shared, you creating offline before you're going online. It's very, very powerful because we do, we just get lost in, our mind is so fast now in a sense of, you know, like they say, we need 20 touch points or something ridiculous before we buy. And so our mind is just consuming so much all the time that we can't even get clear on what our message is or what we're there to do or serve or share with the world. What is, you've spoken a couple of times, um, you touched on values as we've been speaking Mm -hmm. and I deliberately didn't go into it because I knew we had this question coming up. Um, But what is it that motivates you on a personal level to do what you do, Rebecca? Mm -hmm. And I'd love you to sort of speak about um, obviously values and mission and how you've almost synthesized or or catalyzed those things into your daily approach to what you're doing. Yeah, I love that because I get asked a lot what keeps me motivated or what motivates me. And I actually find that a really funny question because I feel like, and I am human, I have days where I feel a little less motivation, but I feel like when we're living a life that's on purpose and in alignment to our values or our truth, I believe that it doesn't take motivation to do the work we do because we're doing what we're meant to be doing. And so for me, it's the personal mission to make a difference in the world and create change is, I guess I know I was, but like I shared before, I was put here to do something bigger. And I sometimes believe that, you know, people, I guess aren't living, like I said, living in alignment. So they're just slogging through or they're leaving mediocre or they say they're happy, but they're actually content. They're not necessarily feeling fulfilled. And so I believe that I have a mission to do, to show people and inspire people with what's possible and when you have that that rocket up your butt let's say of you know really showing up and making a difference that's my motivation you know to really help others see what they can create and my job I joke is that I pull the greatness out of women you know it's already in there that they just can't see it for themselves just yet you know we're all here to achieve something great and it's our job to figure out what that is and sometimes we need someone else to believe in us before we believe in ourselves and so for me the motivation comes from creating change and knowing that I have a mission to do in this world and that I'm not here just to cruise along I'm here to actually achieve greatness for others and myself. While we touch on sort of motivating others in that response, um, from your coaching experience, what are the most common hurdles people um, have to overcome to achieve success? There's so many, but I would say that it's the fear of not being good enough, the fear of not knowing enough, uh, of being seen and visible online, especially now that social media is such a big thing, and the fear of rejection behind sales and marketing. They are probably the most common things that I see with my clients and work through for sure. That's very interesting. One of the things that I've been actually writing on um, recently was about the fear of failure versus the fear of success. Mm. And I've become very consciously aware within myself that I have been I haven't acted on things that I know I should have done, not because I was fear, not because I was scared of failing, but because I was scared of how good it could have been. 
and the subsequent changes that would have happened in my life. Mm. Um, I think that it's that innate human fear of change. I'm like, what if I do this and everything goes well and all of a sudden um, the whole landscape changes in front of me? That's really scary. So I think it's interesting the closer you examine your own fears. Sometimes the fear isn't sitting exactly where it is you can be procrastinating on something you're like oh I think I'm fear of failure and then you're like no actually that's not it I don't care if I fail what am I scared of oh I'm scared of everything going right and um I I forget who said the quote but it's like um our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate but that we're powerful beyond beyond measure beyond measure um yeah and that's really interesting. I found that's personally like a little bit of a, it has been a hurdle for me in the past and I've sort of developed a structure to work past it. Um, but it's very interesting that you're a sort of similar points there as well with most of your coaching clients, that it's that fear of almost the unknown and it's the fear of, okay, what happens if this works out? Um, or do I know enough? Like how, and I guess all of those things, they're not really quantifiable. Like if you, or if you never did something, because you didn't know enough. Well, how much is enough to know before you start? Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. And it's like that, you know, I just need it to be perfect or I need to be ready before I do it. But what is ready and what is perfect? <laughs> you know, it's taking the leap and trusting. Like, I think it's Richard Branson that says, you know, say yes and figure it out later. And I definitely live by that. I say yes to a lot of things and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said, said yes to that. But not from a place I'm very conscious with my yes. But it's like, do I really know enough? Is that going to stretch me? I, I always actively put myself in situations that I feel are a little beyond my comfort zone to to keep on growing and that's what I teach my clients as well it's it's great that you raise that actually around feeling like oh if I do this I'm going to be more successful and people do fear success for sure because there's the comfort of knowing what you know or having the certainty around where you are right now but also in the fact that we have a thermometer that keeps us playing at a certain level and until you actually push through that you don't raise your I guess your level of normal let's say so it's when we push through that and we do the things we're afraid of that our new normal like our normal becomes something new and so then we have this new playing field to play at and then we just want to keep stretching that correct it's once once I sort of pushed through that um it became such an empowering feeling to almost feel like you're constantly aiming as high as you possibly can but you're actually trying to get there rather than sort of aiming high and then just being like oh yeah you know I'm not really going to do what it takes um to get there and once you overcome Mm -hmm. that that fear it's it actually it, it it's it's an exponential growth from that point once you overcome the first hurdle you then just crave it more and more and more and you want the change and you want the challenges um and you want them fast and hard and um, as many of them as you possibly can get yeah you almost get addicted to the excitement of challenge and you know i always joke that i'm driven more by challenge than i am by money because uh, i just love that that I just crave that excitement around achieving. And so I think it's really cool to set yourself mini goals and challenges along the way. Absolutely. I'm definitely motivated by the process rather than Mm -hmm. by the outcome. Um, I would rather put together a transaction and be known for putting together that transaction than actually get paid for it. Um, It's the the achievement and the recognition is a great uh, motivator for me personally within business um, than any of the any of the financial outcomes um which i guess for me that's a little bit of a hint that you're doing something that you enjoy doing if if the process is the thing that motivates you um but that's a good sign if you're just motivated by the money um there is people out there that you know that is 
what they do. They go to work and they've got 40 hours a week of just getting that paycheck and their motivation might be something outside of that, like coaching a softball team or, um, you know, playing sports, something else that they've got going on. Um, but I think for most of us that have to do a nine to five, um, it's about finding something that you can actually enjoy the process rather than just be thinking about the financial outcome all the time. Yeah, for sure. And it comes back to your values around what it is that you deeply uh, feel connected to, I suppose, you know, there's lots of people that are driven by money, but they're driven by money for the wrong reasons. And that's a rabbit hole, we don't have to go down. But you know, childhood wounds and traumas and things we've been taught as a child, and then we grow into an adult, and we carry those with us. So then we living out those things. And so I see it a lot. I work with money mindset a lot with my clients. And you know, if they had a strange childhood around money, or not strange, but it, it an experience that may seem negative around money, they're playing that out in their business now. And it's really about breaking that down and reframing and reprogramming that so that they're not continuing that. So for me, my value around money is very neutral. I really, you know, I create a lot of success in my business. However, I'm not driven by that. I'm driven by my mission and achieving and challenge and things like you shared as well, because I'm doing what I love and I'm passionate about what I do. Absolutely. Um, on a slightly um, more personal note, do you have like a favorite failure or something? I guess it, it's ultimately something that's propelled you forward, but a, a failure that you look back and you're like, I really glad that that played out that way. Um, I guess the one that comes to mind is uh, as a fitness model at the end of that kind of career, let's say, or journey, I probably should say, I... I really lost who I was in my identity because it was based around ego and my physical body. And when that happened, I really didn't know who I was. And so it was a really challenging time. There was depression. There was lots of dark times in that. And at the time I, you know, hated every moment of it, but it really propelled me to where I am today in a sense of being truly connected to my purpose, my mission, evolving, growing, um, getting back into my spiritual connection, also uh, studying health and nutrition and the mind. So it was really the catalyst to where I am today, even though at the time it was one of the hardest moments of my life. And so I wouldn't say it's failure and I don't really believe in failure, to be honest. And I think we either learn or we grow from the, we win or we learn and grow from the experience of whatever goes on in our life. And so for me, that was more something that comes up that, I guess, really pivoted me out of where I was and completely shifted my whole world. I moved. There was so much in that that created the success I've got now for sure. I love that answer. I think it's really, uh, it was very well considered. Um, What are three practical 1% tips that you can give people to implement in their everyday lives to level up? Okay, there's so many things. Number one, I think we should eat more plants. (laughs) And that sounds a bit bizarre. But I really believe that no matter where you are, or what you're playing at, whether you're a mom or a nine to fiver, or you know, you're an entrepreneur, we need to nourish our mind and body. And I believe that they get so over like overlooked. And there's an incredible amount of nutrients that can really have a powerful effect on our mind and body. And so I think that would definitely be number one, make sure that you're eating enough colors every day. So lots of nutrients and things in your diet. I'm going to hijack your tip. (laughs) Um, It's so great. (laughs) I love, I love plants, but one great thing that I've added on to that as well is if you are choosing to eat um, animal protein, 
make sure you eat the absolute highest quality mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. you can afford, obviously, firstly, but most of us, most of the people listening to this podcast will be in a, um, a Western country and it's likely that they can afford to buy organic grass-fed and finished yes. beef or wild-caught fish or anything like that. Um, factory farming, it's, this is a whole episode, but factory farming, your um, your meat and your protein is really not good for you. Um, so it's about getting in, actually. I always recommend eat eat better quality, the best quality meat you can find, but only eat 30% as much as what you normally, as you think you should. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest is plants. I love that. And I'm, I definitely still eat animal protein for sure. I eat about 20% um, animal product and then I eat 80% plants. And that's what I say. Most people don't eat enough plant-based products. I don't mean plant protein. I just mean plant whole foods. And mm-hmm. so I love that you shared that because I, I've been organic for nearly six or seven years now. I'm very conscious about the meat and yeah like you said the fish factory farming is a scary topic and it's definitely one for another time but I think being very conscious and in, and investing your money into high quality meat and just eating less of it like you said so that you can afford to if you you know you think it is pricey so for sure eating more plants and eating more organic produce is very important when it comes to animal products especially um, I think movement is something that's really important. I'm just coming back to the mind, body and soul. They're the three things that I really base my life around. And so, you know, movement, I don't think we move enough. And I definitely have struggled with this since working from home and working online over the last many years now. But when I was in the gym, I was always lifting things and picking up things and and, and moving around like we did in the in the caveman era. You know, we that's how we were born to be is to pick things up that are heavy, lift things, move things, go for a long short bursts of like high intensity training. And so I think if we can move incidentally a lot more, that's what's going to really help us remain healthy. So I think movement is important. And then Another thing that you could implement daily is some form of connection to ourself. And I know that will probably make a lot of people feel uncomfortable, but there is just too many people now that cannot sit in their own comfort of themselves. And so, you know, you'll see people at cafes, they can't, can't just sit there and, and admire what's going on in the world around them. And people watch, you know, I like to call it, but they've got to be on their phone all the time. And I think have more presence and connect back to yourself on a daily basis, however that looks. If it's sitting in silence, if it's laying in the sun, or if it's you know being out in nature, or if it's listening to meditation, reading a book, spend some time on the mindfulness piece of life because it's it's really sad that so many people are so disconnected and not spending enough time connecting to the truth of who they are. I think it's great. Um, one of the things that um, I had a guest on the show um, a couple of weeks back now, Max Gomez. Um, he runs a startup. Um, they have an app called Breathwork. Um, I love it. It's a really great way to just add a little mindfulness practice into your day. I use it before bed. Um, but he was like meditation for the first time. It's like running a 5K with no training. You sit down, you close your eyes, <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> Um, so breathwork's a great way to get into it because the exercises start at 40 seconds and then go up to like as long as you want them to go for. Um, the other one that is very interesting and a uh, a monk called Dan Dapani, um, I was listening to him on a podcast and he said, sit in front of a mirror and talk to yourself for 10 minutes. 
Um, oh, I think that's a mirror really, work, yeah, um, which was really interesting because then it's not even that sit quietly with yourself. Like you can make noise and you can look at yourself and have your eyes oh. open if you don't feel that comfortable, but just sit there and have a conversation with yourself. Um, I thought those two, just two like really interesting ways that are a bit of a, um, bit of a twist on the norm to get in touch with yourself as well. I really like that. And mirror work is something I work through with clients, well, particular clients. I used to do it a lot when I was doing life coaching, but it's it's very confronting for people sitting in front of themselves because they're just so disconnected and lots of stuff can come up. So I like that and I think it's great. And it's just really about letting out what happens. So purging something that you can do on a daily basis, which is writing out everything that's inside of you and this is something to do in the morning before you consume anything else just get it all out on paper and rip it up and and get rid of it but we hold so much of past resentment anger frustration trauma in our bodies and so a lot of people have never worked through that so when they spend time in meditation breath work mirror work journaling whatever it is lots of stuff can come up and that's okay you know it's about letting that stuff come up and getting out of your body so I, I like that mirror talking that's cool if you could give 18-year-olds setting out on their journey one piece of advice, what would it be? This is such a cool question. <laughs> um, I have to think about this one a lot. But it's, I guess for me, this was around the time I first started my personal development journey, which is so crazy to think because that's like nearly 17 years ago. <laughs> my gosh. I think I was listening to Disman CDs back then um, on like The Secret and, and it just come out. So it was really funny. But I think for me, the advice that I would give is not to worry so much and not stress about not being there yet or not getting there or not having that relationship or not, you know, knowing what to do. I think we put so much emphasis on that in our, you know, then and in our early twenties as well, there's just so much life still to be lived from this age. And I think it's about relaxing into just enjoying the journey and really enjoying what's going on around you and and learning from all your experiences and then I would suggest investing in your own personal growth your own spiritual growth and in travel I think they're the three things you know that really for me would be the best advice to give because you cannot you can't lose out from that you know you're not out partying and spending money on useless things you're spending time growing as a person or traveling which makes you a lot richer than anything else what is the best book or alternatively the book that you give to people the most um that either you've read recently or it's an all-time classic um what sort of you go to if you're giving a gift or if there's something that that you always think geez that was a really good book um what is it there's so many um it depends on what it is. I'm very, I love reading and I love books and I'm very particular about what I buy people. So when my clients start working with me, I give them a gift pack and inside that gift pack is a book that I choose for that particular person and what I believe they need to work on the most. So there's The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is by T. Harv Ecker. That is probably my ultimate wealth creation money mindset book. I think that a lot of people can benefit from I had another uh, guest, Jordan, um, raised that book as well. That was one of his his top three. He loves it. Um, yeah. It's interesting when things start coming up like consecutively, you know, you know it's good. Like that's the thing where I'm like, if you're listening to this and you're not going on Amazon and buying that book, now two <laughs> people have said it, you've got rocks in your head. Absolutely. Um, and then there's, there's a couple of others. Um, the Courage to be Disliked is a really great book. 
um, that I often give to my clients because a lot of people don't believe in themselves when they start with me. So I really love that. And it's really about learning to free yourself from, you know, worrying about other people. And it's a Japanese um, phenomenon, actually. It's a really great book. That and then probably one of maybe Joe Dispenza's books or Gabrielle Bernstein, depending where you are at in your spiritual journey. I love Joe Dispenza because he really combines science and spirituality together. So it's not as, let's say, woo-woo to some people and really helps people understand more of how the actual mind connection works. And then there's Super Attracted by Gabby Bernstein, which is just the ultimate incredible book if you are already pretty connected. I haven't, uh, I haven't touched Bernstein at all. Um, I've dabbled with uh, Joe Dispenza um, a little bit. I think there's, um, it's all about making it accessible because that can be quite hard. Like I actually, um, I finished reading Eckhart Tolle a little while ago mm. and I found that very dense. Um, yeah. Like I got through it, but I was like, geez, if you gave this to someone, they'd really struggle. <laughs> like, it's, we'd like, totally. get a kick in the teeth. Yes, um, for sure. And that's why I am very conscious about the books that I choose for people. So for me, uh, what I'm currently reading um, is The Course in Miracles, which is like a year-long training manual. And my girlfriends and I are doing it together. And it is it is like like you said, Eckhart Tolle's books. It's I read three pages and take a ton of notes and that's it for the day. It's just really intense. It's a really, really um, – it's like the Bible, really in a spiritual sense. So it's like lots of weird sentences and strange wording and strange concepts to really take your mind on a rabbit hole journey. Have you read the Bible? No, I haven't. I've read parts of it. I did um, dabble with Christianity as a child and teenager. So it's definitely not something I know inside out, but this sort of matches that in a spiritual sense. One thing I would encourage people to listen to if they have the time um, is regardless of your views on his I guess, political, uh, political views and things like that. Uh, Dr. Dr. Jordan Peterson's um, biblical lecture series, I think it's 11 or 12 parts. Each of them is about mm. two hours long. Um, he talks about the psychological, um, the psychological implications and benefits of the biblical texts. Um, so it's not yeah. about God. It's not about really believing in any of that. He basically takes from the Bible um, and says, this is what you could do to empower your own life. That's a really great if you've dabbled in any kind of Christianity or if you just had any interest in what's going on with the whole I guess religion and how it fits into spirituality and things like that um, that's an excellent thing it's really accessible it's on YouTube it's on his podcast um, I love listening to on podcast wow. because I can put it on um, two and a half times speed and like get through a two-hour yes. episode in like 45 minutes <laughs> I love um, that is he the guy that's written uh, is it 12 rules for life 12 Rules for Life, yes. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll have a look at that. I have not heard of that series, so that's cool. Thank you. It's actually based on his first book, which is Maps of Meaning, which I think he released in 1996, um, which is a very, very difficult book to read. Um, 12 Rules is very accessible and it's great. It's Mm. It's probably the book I would recommend that everyone, if they want to get into personal development, I would say 12 Rules is the best place to start. Um, but Maps of Meaning is much more academic um, and it talks about, um, you know, the Mesopotamian creation myth, um, paganism, how it, you know, relates on to 
um, relates onto Christianity and a whole heap of things. It, it touches on the psychology of things as well because he's a clinical psychologist. Um, mm. But he basically extrapolates that in an easy to consume kind of format, which is the YouTube series um, and the yeah and the podcast series, which he called the biblical series. Um, awesome. So that's a great way to get into it if you've never sort of delve deeper into the Bible, but you've always been like, how does my spirituality fit in with religion? Because I do think that they are, I think that they're separate personally. Some people would say that they're conjoined, but um, I think that someone can definitely be spiritual and also have a religious experience or, or vice versa, be extremely religious and not be very spiritually in touch. Um, Yes, I I agree. Yeah. I think Jordan does a good job of connecting the dots. Um, What is something that you're curious about currently, Rebecca? Hmm. Um, I don't want to go into the rabbit hole of this one either, but I'd have to say what's going on in the world right now and what's happened over the last six months. Like, where do we go from here and what is truly going on? Because does anyone really know? That is what I'm curious about at the moment. I would like to refer to people that are much more educated than I am, but um, the more I consume online. I think that there's things that are a lot bigger than in particular the last few months um, with the seeming race war that we're about to have. Um, mm. I, I, that is a much bigger problem um, than just skin colour that's going on. It's actually more fundamental in the fact that we can't have hard conversations in society about our differing beliefs without wanting to pull each other's arms off. Um and that's the, uh, from what I've seen and I what like I've that consumed, um, that's actually the problem. It's all these other things are surface. Like, you know, mm. COVID, you've got people that are upset about, there's people that are protesting the lockdowns and people protesting the people that are protesting lockdowns. Like, <laughs> I think it just, it's, a, we just need a little bit more communication and a little bit more acceptance of people having a differing belief to our own um, and that not fundamentally changing you know, how we live our lives. Um, it's okay for other people to be different and, and do different things. Um, as long as we're all working towards a mutual, uh, you know, making the world a mutually better place um, in our own way, I think it's, um, I think that's a very admirable outcome. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the the ultimate goal has been lost, which is to work as a team really and have our own viewpoints and be an individual but come together collectively, right? And so I think you've really nailed it there. Yeah. One of the things I've seen emerging, um, which has been interesting, um, and I understand that racism is obviously, you know, a a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, And I think it's a very important topic. Like, I don't believe in discriminating against anyone um, Mm. for any reason, particularly the colour of their skin. But um, there's a lot of sort of... uh, there's a lot of content on social media that is pushing the fact that is everyone's responsibility to fight racism. Um, it's not something that I completely, I, I think this, the wording they're using is it's not enough to not be racist. You must be anti-racist. Um, and one of the things that I've sort of been contemplating a little bit is that whilst that's very admirable, um, racism is a battle that a lot of people will fight. And if that's not something that has your heart and soul in it mm. and your and you're actually sitting there, you're reading these posts, and you're, you're like, you know what? Um, this isn't really connecting with me. Like, I'm, I hope that most people can say that they're not racist. Um, if you're not contributing to the problem, whilst you might not be contributing to the solution, mm. if you're working on something else, 
Like if you're a cancer researcher and you're curing cancer, I'm happy for you to just cure cancer. <laughs> I don't need you to cure it. Like I think you're doing enough and don't feel mm-hmm. pressured by society to take on all, like you don't have to take on everyone's battles as long as you're fighting some battle that is for the greater good. Um, for, for me, that's enough. That's just a personal opinion. If I look at someone and I, I, I've never looked at someone's profile and gone, geez, this person should be doing more for, you know, a, a cause that I feel particularly strongly about. Um, I'm like, oh, cool. They're really into breast cancer or they're really into, um, they're really into organic eating or they're really into, um, you know, they're, they're a Black Lives Matter supporter or um, they're really into gun control or something, which is another controversial, you know, issue in the US. As long as someone's working on something that is for the betterment of all of us, I don't think it's something to be detracted from just because you as an individual feels personally more connected to another cause, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great take on that. I think there's a lot of pressure around it. And I definitely felt that I had private messages sent through on Instagram about why I wasn't saying enough. And then other people were saying, oh, you know, you're saying stuff, but your friends aren't, you should be telling them what to do. And, you know, obviously they follow all of us or, you know, so a lot of my friends are speakers or coaches in the space as well. And I just felt very stuck in the middle because I think also it's a little bit in Australia, a bit harder for us to fully comprehend and understand. And for me too, I I think everybody is an equal, like even the people that have made terrible mistakes, let alone their skin color, you know? So for me, it's very hard to wrap my head around. And I think when you don't know enough, try not to get involved um, unless you have, like you said, that deep desire to really want to help and connect to what's going on. So yeah, I I like what you shared there. Mm. I I also think, you know, there's an element of, I think it's important to be deliberate with our, our speech and mm-hmm. our thoughts. Um, you know, I haven't spoken public. This is the first time I've sort of started to express my thoughts on the situation. Um, and I'm glad we sort of, we got there in an incidental way. It wasn't what this conversation <laughs> was meant to be about, but I think that it becomes one of those things where I actually thought about it for two weeks and I, I really, mm-hmm. um, I really thought, okay, how do I think, like, what do I think about this situation? What's important to me? Um, what's important to others. And I actually spent the time to think about it. And I think just having, you know, actually thinking deliberately, there's a book by Daniel Kahneman, which um, it's called Thinking Fast or um, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. And it, basically that the premise of the book is if someone says name, you know, name an inventor and someone might say Da Vinci or, you know, name a genius and you say Einstein, his, his concept is you want to move from that quick thinking, like the first thing that comes to your mind to who is, who is the third genius that comes to mind? And then thinking about that person and going, now think about why they're actually better than the first person. Um, it's a very interesting concept, but it really talks around deliberate thought and actually slowing down and going, hang on, what do I actually think about this rather than just buying into the narrative that you're being fed by the media or by, you know, your friends and family online? Yeah, I love that because I am, as I share often and have today, it's, I am a very conscious person and I like to think about what I'm saying online. I'm very authentic and I share a lot of my life online. However, I'm very conscious still by doing that and what I'm sharing and what I'm allowing people to take a closer look at or my thoughts or 
all those sorts of things. I think too often people just jump on bandwagons all the time. And I think that's a dangerous way to live. So being conscious definitely is, is a priority for me, myself personally. Absolutely. Um, if you could step into my shoes, Rebecca, and ask yourself one question that I have not, what would it be? Uh, this question is so fun. Um, I would say the one thing that's missing from my life, that would be a great question. And the answer to that would be to have a family of my own. You know, I live a life that is highly productive and very fulfilled in so many ways. And I guess this is one thing I don't have control over, um, you know, the timeline sense of that. And I'm really looking forward to having kids because I think there's just this beautiful, natural, inquisitive mind to a child, like a curious like mind that can teach us so much. So, you know, I think so many out there are like, oh, my kids stress me out so much and it's awful. And come back to the place of being in a space of having this as a blessing and what you can actually learn from the beautiful little souls that they are. So for me, that's the one thing that's missing from my life that I'm super excited about exploring in the future. It's very interesting. It's one of the things that as I've, aged and had had birthdays <laughs> and, and researched and you know spent a lot of time on self-development I realized that um, I think that parenting is one of them is the most important job um, on the planet and it's something mm. that we probably don't I don't want to go into this in length because it's probably a whole podcast episode but I think it's probably the most important thing that someone can do on this planet um, and it's something that probably isn't put on the pedestal um, in modern society with all of the distractions, everything we have going on. Um, and I guess the, sometimes the capitalist society that we live in, um, it's actually really, really cool to be a really good parent. Um, mm. And I think it's, you know, it just comes out in your voice. You're obviously really passionate about something you're looking forward to. It's something you really want to do a good job with. Um, mm. I think that's very admirable. Yeah, thank you. I think it's just a great chance for us to create conscious children and be able to, learn for ourselves but also give the tools to our kids and I think you know relationships and children teach us they're our greatest assignments in life and I think they really are a blessing and sometimes they're taken for granted I think in both forms. So Rebecca if people want to find more about you online um, and about your coaching and everything you do and your podcast um, where can my listeners find you? Awesome. So it would just be at rebeccaneal.com.au and it's N-E-A-L-E, -E, my surname. And then you can just find me on Instagram at I am Rebecca Neal and you can find my other handles to my podcast and things on there as well. Amazing. Well, it's been so great um, chatting today. We covered um, a lot of a lot of great points. I think we also probably set up some points for a further conversation at 2.0 <laughs> um, at a later date. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much for your time and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having, mo having me on. It was absolute pleasure to be here today. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Jack Roberts 8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.